Hello and welcome to episode 10 of Take It Black. I'm Jack Lattimore and today I'm joined by NITV's news executive editor, Rana Collins. So what's been going on? It's been a huge week, Jack, and we've, we're still on the way covering all the Black Lives Matter um, content and with more protests happening and we've come off the back of four huge episodes of The Point focusing on uh, institutionalised racism, focusing on protest, Black Lives Matter and this important conversation that's now happening in our own backyard. Yeah, well, it's the four episodes of The Point were huge. We've seen uh, our audience numbers spike across that period. Um, a lot of it had to do with uh, what's happening with the Black Lives Matter uprisings around the globe. Um, and we've talked about this on the last episode of Take It Black as well. But this week we saw a little bit more of a push towards representation and greater diversity in all institutions, but particularly within the media industry. And as you say, we had to look in our own backyard, didn't we? Yeah, we did. So we've seen um, reports surface on social media from uh, ex-staff members at SBS um, talking about their experiences um, when working here. And it's been you know, a really challenging time, I think, as we reflect on the industry itself. Um, as blackfellas working in media, we all know how challenging that can be, particularly um, in any mainstream media organisation. So, um, yeah, a really, a really tough week, I think, for for everyone here and for for many people in our community. Well, the thing that got me was that it coincided with what was already planned uh, from within house within SBS mm. and ITV this week. And um, look, we've got a special guest for this episode. Uh, NITV channel manager Tanya Orman. Hello and congratulations, Tanya. Oh, what a moly there, Jack, and what a moly there, Rana. It's um, great to be finally asked to come on your podcast. <laughs> it's taken a while. <laughs> um, uh, oh, well, that's not why I'm saying congratulations, though. <laughs> um, thank you. <laughs> no. um, thank uh, you so week, much. You, um, well, this week, uh, the SBS Managing Director, James Taylor, he made an announcement, I think it was on Tuesday, all the days have blended together for me, but um, do you want to tell us about what he told the rest of us back then? Yes, um, we were doing a presentation to the whole business. I, um, you know, first of all, want to acknowledge um, I was privileged to be able to stand up in front of all of the network and talk about the incredible work the entire team at NITV have achieved in covering such a huge um, period of, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and in the fact that majority of the team behind the scenes are Indigenous and going through their particular challenges with that coverage in itself. So not to take away from the movement in itself, but, you know, for me, you know, my business is NITV and to be able to stand up and sort of tell everyone how incredible this tiny little channel has done in ensuring it put all its heart and souls to ensuring we could shift the narrative on Australian media in general and ensure they had the entire story. Um, when it came to Black Lives Matter and why it was more close to home 
for everyday Australians um, than what the mainstream media were trying to shift. So, you know, that was the start. And then the managing mm -hmm. director acknowledged um, my role has expanded to take over more or look after all the Indigenous content across all of SBS. So, um, as well as managing NITV um, in the sense that we're at the heart, I believe, of this organisation as we should be uh, in, at the heart as Indigenous people in any institution in this country to ensure we're doing things the right way. So my um, position um, allowing me to be able to expand is my incredible team. Um, I've got an incredible leadership team that have, you know, really help shift the dial at NITV. We've, you know, we first launched as a narrowcaster in 2007, been eight years this week that we actually moved in the doors at SBS. So eight um, big years, big milestones, but I think this period of time particularly has been the biggest. So, you know, we've really shifted gears as a news and current affairs team, as a programming, production, commissioning team. And now I'm really proud as a Cookie Yamajan Berry girl who grew up on the other side of the tracks in um, Queensland to be now, um, I guess, breaking that glass ceiling even further and allowing more mob and more stories to be told um, across this, um, you know, incredible broadcaster that is SBS. Take it black. What do you think makes NITV unique uh, in the, the Blackfellas, in the leadership positions, but also in terms of our editorial codes? Well, yeah, I, I was overseas um, and I'd just come back into Australia and set up a production company back in 2006 when the, there was this conversation happening or consultation happening around the country to have an Indigenous channel. And, uh, you know, NITV, as I mentioned earlier, 13 years since we initially launched and we've been in the door here for eight years, but it, it stands on the shoulders of giants as far as the Indigenous remote sector particularly. Um, but those, um, you know, those fire breathers that ensured that we could have a place and to actually have our place in the Australian media landscape. And when I got back from um, my experience, my you know living overseas and had an opportunity to be a part of this new thing called NITV and was approached to help um, produce or commission its first uh, moments um, was an incredible privilege that I've taken with me um, that moment to be able to um, help launch NITV in 2007 out to the bush. So we've been to the bush and um, it was really important to the CEO at the time. And our, you know, our chair was Larissa Barrett and our CEO was Pat Turner. And it was, this channel has to be made by Indigenous people for Indigenous people. So I moved in the door to become its commissioning, one of the commissioning editors, there were three of us, and we, um, it was very much that narrative of Pat Turner to ensure that we were an Indigenous authored channel. And, you know, that meant, in, you know, with Indigenous empowerment, self-determination, it meant from every aspect of the channel, um, from, you know, the producers, journalists to management. And that was the true definition of, you know, what the self-determination of an Indigenous media um, NITV was going to be. So we, um, the challenge had been, there weren't many um, experienced around the sector at that time, because a lot of 
um, our mob hadn't had the breakthrough opportunities in Australian media. So Pat said, well, we'll train them on the job. And, you know, that's what we did. And we grew and we um, had to pivot quite a lot. Um, and there was a lot of expectations on the shoulders of NITV back in 2007 because it did take away the um, opportunity for remote um, broadcasting at that stage, ICTV. And there was concern that it was going to be two weeks coast and it wasn't going to represent everyone. Um, there was also concern from the production sector that it didn't really have the funding model to be able to commission appropriately. Um, and at that stage, we didn't even have a news service. So what, we didn't start our news service till 2008 with a five-minute rip and read out of Alice Springs. And um, so, you know, we're, we're getting it left, right and centre. Um, however, with a staunch leader like Pat Turner, we kept going forward. Um, and, you know, however, we never had the policy backing in Canberra, as in we didn't know if it was going to have future or hit to a audience so we had no access to Australian free-to-air audience and um, you know I had the opportunity to lead it um, a decision was made with SBS to take on NITV and I was approached to be the channel manager to um, move the team over into SBS and then launch it free-to-air and I had six months to do that um, and you know it was really um, I think the passion and the excitement was there um, and it was really important for me then as it is now to ensure I had Indigenous leadership through all aspects of the channel um, because, you know, we had a lot of expectations on us from day one in 2012 and as we do today and um, I'm really proud we've got more Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander managers and journalists who've come through the system. Um, because of that consistency and commitment that we've made to, um, you know, to our sector. And, you know, we've won Logies. Um, we've really, you know, attracted a wider Australian audience now. We, you know, we're reaching more than 2 million Australians. Our population is only approximately 600,000. So, you know, in your initial question about the, you know, the importance of the team behind the scenes, there's 60 of us approximately 60 within the actual NITV team um, and about 70% are Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander. Most of them are in production but also management as well and you know they're the ones um, especially in the leadership sense um, having to really push and um, you know really put their hearts and you know their community and themselves on the line in order to um, really um, make NITV sing. Take it black. So Tanya, this week you not only became head of Indigenous content for SBS as well as maintaining your role as the uh, channel manager for NITV, you're also appointed to the Media Diversity Australia Board. I just wanted to ask you, in light of those things, um, for a response uh, to the Cody Bedford thread that we've seen put on social media in combination with what we heard um, the SBS general manager James Taylor talk about uh, during the communicate um, keynote uh, on Tuesday where he was in the question time afterwards he was asked why aren't there more people of colour on the SBS executive board now in his response JT said that it wasn't good enough, that there wasn't a person of colour there, recognised that 
uh, SBS needed to improve uh, representation at every level. He alluded to the structure of it being pyramid in nature still, and while there was you know, good, healthy, strong representation at the bottom, at the top, it was still you know, pretty white. Um, he said that in his time as managing director, he'd had the opportunity to recruit one member to the executive, and that he inherited a structure that uh, with uh, the executive team had a long tenure in place. Uh, he also mentioned that an inclusion council had been established on his watch, that recruitment processes had been reformed, but he was also welcoming more ideas and more input from individuals and groups within SBS and NITV. And then we seen the Cody Bedford thread, and that really took off on social media. And Rana, perhaps you can tell us a little bit more about the nature of what was in that thread. It occurred, uh, Cody was referencing things that were going on within SBS and NITV before I came on board. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about what was what was in that thread? Yeah, sure, Jack. So, look, Cody posted on her Twitter feed and explained the experience that she had uh, when she was uh, a cadet and the Indigenous cadet going through SBS as a journalist. And this was in mid-2000s, I believe. So this predates NITV being in the building, which is in 2000, which was 2012 when we entered and launched Free to Wear, as Tanya explained earlier. So Cody talks to her experience as a cadet um, in a mainstream news organisation as a young, up-and-coming journalist and uh, the behaviours that she experienced um, as as a cadet uh, at SPS, uh, which she found quite difficult at the time, and particularly she talks to not having, you know, any pathways to have that conversation or to see to see change. So she she gives some particulars um, about some of the experiences that she had during her cadetship year, and yeah, look, it it, it was really um, tough to read, and I think. Mm. You know, a lot of us um, here really feeling for for Cody, but but also yeah, yeah. anyone coming forward with those types of experiences right across yeah. the sector. James was quick to respond internally, at least, um, with, with an email, um, and he said that he was sickened and saddened to read that thread. And I, you know, I, I felt that James was coming from a very genuine place, uh, both in the response during the communicate uh, Q&A and also in this email. Tanya, what was your impression um, on hearing uh, or on reading the thread and hearing some of the things that were that sort of came out around it that were on social media? Like, I think, um, likewise, it was really sad um, to read it in that way and, you know, I know Cody and... You know, I felt for Cody in that sense as well and reached out to Cody as in, in, a, in a response. And a few weeks earlier, I had, when I was talking to other board members for the Media Diversity Australia, you know, when we were, you know, we all were started out as journalists and um, we were all saying, well, we don't work there anymore. And I said, yes, um, in the sense that, we, you know, we didn't, see that longevity of a career um you know my experience was like that um you know i had to leave my position at abc in that sense as well um 
because, you know, I felt my experience was obviously, you know, it's different to Cody's, but what I think seeing the thread and, you know, with a lot of other people was bringing up a lot of, you know, the last, um, their experiences as well. And when I was talking to my colleagues on the MDA, it's how familiar and similar a lot of our stories were. So, and I think that's what's really, I think the point of this week is, how, um, you know, whether Cody's 12 years ago, um, you know, others 20 years, 15 years, there's, um, you know, a a rhythm there within the system. And, you know, Cody said she had since um, had many uh, within our organisation still reaching out to her about issues today. Mm. And that's, I guess, Mm. you know, really serious for us to um, consider in that sense as well that, um, you know, despite, you know, how forward and how much more we do as a sector and, you know, all our great achievements, it's um, really sad to see or hear that there are still those, um, you know, those concerns being raised, um, perceived or otherwise by people and or journalists and you know for me particularly I'm you know I'm the boss of the Indigenous channel and you know that's something that I take really seriously of you know and really it was about this week I feel has been uh, a massive pivot yet again for our industry and our sector in response to that and I think what James showed Um, You know, I don't know if other managing directors would have had that heart immediate response. It wasn't, you know, filtered by corporate comms or anything like that. That was that first next step. Um, And now I guess the next step is really the proof in the pudding or the action that will come from it. And, you know, I think that was really important. If any organisation can get that right in this country, it has to be the multicultural broadcaster that is the home to the Indigenous channel because we broadcast and we tell the story every day about social cohesion and how we can make this country a better place and the importance of truth-telling. So it was a really important shift for us, um, for me in my leadership positioning, but also in my role with the Media Diversity Australia, how critical a time we are, you know, off the back, as we were saying with Black Lives Matter, the coverage that we were seeing um, at some points from mainstream media in Australia, we really needed to be on the front foot to ensure, um, uh, you know, mums and dads in wherever parts they were or kids in wherever in Australia actually could understand that this is something happening all the time in Australia. Mm. And, you know, um, since 1991, there's been more than 300 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander deaths in custody. And that story needed to be told. And it was because we had an organisation like NITV and SBS in place in this country that we could, you know, push forward from what the commercial medias and other outlets were saying um, and tell the full story. And that's why we need to get this right as an organisation, both internally and externally. Yeah, and sadly, I think that number's up to 433 at this point. That's right, since the findings of the Royal Commission were handed down in 91. Um, I came on board about 18 months ago to NITV and what I read in that thread, not to minimise it by any measure, 
But what I heard in or what I read in that thread, I haven't had that experience, and I think that's because in that period uh, of the past eighteen months, there's been a, a strong push uh, to towards having what we an all indigenous editorial team. Um, Rana, as the executive editor, is that something that was a goal at some point? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, I can talk to uh, the Indigenous News and Current Affairs team, and we are deeply passionate about having Indigenous editorial um, for every piece of content that we get out, for every um, article, for every news story. We have sign-off from an Indigenous editor. So we are in a very um, lucky position, but also that's been strategic decision-making, um, which has come from Tanya's leadership. So our Indigenous editorial team um, is so solid and strong, and uh, that has been a really important part of the next steps of the journey for our team and to make sure that we can have these um, the culturally safe environments for our team members as well, because all the um, the talk this week has been challenging for us as well as, you know, um, Jack, I'm sure you can speak for this yourself as well, but as people leaders, you know, thinking that our staff are having a tough time is is a real kick in the guts and we need to ensure that our internal staff as well as what we can bring to our audiences is always in our hearts and our minds. So, yeah, definitely a strategic. And um, Tanya, did you want to talk more yeah. to the Aboriginal leadership across the border at NITV? Absolutely. Um, when we moved NITV into SVS, it was agreed. I, I had absolute editorial responsibility of the channel. Um, there's a, a member on the SVS board called Dot West who um, you know, was an influence um, within how we do things across NITV. And one of the major pushes we did in 2012 is we adjusted the codes mm-hmm. of um, SBS codes. So we are embedded within this organisation protecting Indigenous authorship and perspective, and that's how we've evolved the news. Um, and when I say we, that's primarily the Indigenous leadership and team to ensure that we could be really strong um, and create more um, investment into growing our Indigenous authored and led content. Mm. As far as leadership goes, um, the in news particularly has always been led by Indigenous women. <laughs> Funnily enough, it mm. you get the women to do the job. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and you know, and, um, you know, we've had um, you know the first. The, the you know indigenous women set up the news and um, transformed the news from um, you know indigenous women uh, employed the team um, and transformed the business to be digital first um, we did that long before other newsrooms did as well by the way so you know we had to be innovative and had to you know think ahead as well as a team because um, we weren't getting any more resources from the federal government but we knew how important this business was to our communities and how it important it was to be Indigenous in every sense of the word, not just on screen, but behind the scenes. And particularly, though, in this last, what you both are referring to is a really strong Indigenous team to have a multitude of really experienced senior Indigenous people leading and making those calls within the news and current affairs. And, you know, that's where 
while I have the responsibility. You know, I have lots of little tackles with Rana over the years, um, over the time within her position, over is that right? But she's the Indigenous editor of the news. So we ensure there is this um, delineation also as what I guess, um, you know, is referred to sometimes as um, church and state as well. And I think that keeps us very honest with each other um, and to have that trust within each other. You know, that's how we've been able to achieve the growth of news and current affairs. Um, within NITV and now this influence we're having across the greater SBS um, to not take away at all the experiences and concerns that have been raised um, which have really have shifted how we do things internally as well again as a business because we can never just rest on those laurels and we need to be um, you know we spend so much time in this place and it needs to be safe and it needs to be excellent because our community need us to be that way so that's um you know really exciting um point in the sense that we do have the indigenous correspondent positions that we've created um across uh, the country but we've also got a suite of Indigenous news and current affairs programming. You know, once upon a time, as I said, it was just a five-minute rip and read, and it is us blackfellas behind the scenes that have made the decision to go, you know, we, you know daily news, and now we need current affairs, and now we need mm. to tell the story through the human, um, you know, mm. st styles. And, you know, Jack, you coming on from The Guardian um, was incredible as well. So in the sense of really... Um, different audiences wanting to consume their news content in different ways we needed to really adjust as a team and you know that's a challenge you know we I think we probably because we're I, I guess pioneering in another sense um, and I've taken a lot of my mentoring um, and you know those when I'm having those tough days I've got a really close relationship with the executive over in Canada at APTN actually um, you know the Aboriginal People's Television Network that was established um, uh, I think about 15 years ago uh, as well so we're a part of the World Indigenous Television Network so that's helped me primarily in my position because no one had really done um, this in Australia before in an Indigenous authored sense. So, I've, you know, I've had to look uh, abroad in that um, way of how we grow this as a business, but particularly from 2012, how we grew this as a business within the multicultural broadcaster mm. and how we kept it to that. So long story short, don't give me a mic, hey, um, is 2012 <laughs> shifting to have a code, um, you know, our specific code within SBS, and having a board member was awesome. But as identified this week, we as SBS needed to do more. So this week, we also seen a couple of open letters, Rana. We seen one from SBS staff that was reported on in Mumbrella, the industry outlet. Yes, that's right. Um, and that was... A petition of sorts to appoint a person of colour into the news director role. There yeah. was another open letter as well before you get going. <laughs> <laughs> and that was a letter of petition to the Melbourne Press Club who had elected another board of 20 people recently um, without a single person of colour on it. And both letters were asking for greater diversity. Overnight, that letter to the Melbourne Press Club had some impressive signatures 
on it already, but it was signed by the gladiator, Russell Crowe. So there's a lot of eyes on this sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, almost impressive to be able to elect a board and not have a single person of colour um, or Indigenous repre- representative on it. So we saw massive traction on social media, particularly um, with many people from right across our sector, right across the media industry, plenty of journalists, actors, lots of big names. Russell Crowe, obviously, you mentioned overnight signing. And I think it's a reflection of the change, the substantive change that we need to see in our sector in terms yeah. of it needs to represent the communities that we serve. And I, the people working within the, within the industry as well. Absolutely. I mean, things like boards like the Melbourne Press Club, they're not powerful in themselves, except they bestow, um, uh, you know, power or they bestow prestige on the work that journalists do through the award system. Um, so, you know, they carry with it a responsibility for, that you would expect a board to be across, um, you know, why certain journalism performed in certain ways is mm. important. But there, there's journalistic practices in place, like what we do at NITV and like you know other groups are doing out there, different sort of journalism, that an all-white board is not necessarily going to have their head around. Now, it's not as if they weren't aware of uh, the need to have greater representation at that level either. I myself had attempted to, uh, to tell them and to help them along that path in the past, but it came to naught. Another couple of years later, they had another opportunity, two people nominated to be elected to the board most recently, and they, they weren't interested then either, so 20 more came on. Now that letter was endorsed by Media Diversity Australia, tenure, in which you became a board member this week. Is this the vehicle that's going to make change in the industry? these sorts of open letters and petitions? Or does there have to be something more, uh, you know, internal? Look, I think it's um, twofold in the sense it's bed up the process for sure. You know, we've been talking about diversity in media, behind the scenes, in front of it for quite a while. Um, you know, we've particularly um, gone full, you know, full steam ahead in a in Indigenous production sense, for example, for quite a while. You know, really driven by Screen Australia. Um, you know, with all our commissions, or, and they've been doing it in ABC. Anything Indigenous has to have two out of three key creatives. So that's been a, a massive force, and because of that, that's why you've got the big, you know, films and productions um, being the top um, in Australia's. Uh, you know, most watch, you know, Mystery Road and and Total Control, those sort of um, major dramas is because of that push as well, allowing, um, you know, breaking through the ceiling. So in a production sense, that's been going on. Um, in a newsroom sense, however, it's been spoken about, it's been reported about. Um, there may have been particular 
you know, um, cadetships or, you know, opportunities, but the the structural system within those organisations haven't adjusted to that. And I think, you know, that's what I was alluding to from when I started uh, in a newsroom 20 years ago, um, worked with incredible people. However, you know, the system wasn't adjusted. Um, you know, this is what we're talking about in um, systemic um, institutional racism in, you know, there's some of those sort of... Um, frameworks within organisations um, that are not meeting the uh, the reality of the world today. So we've been speaking about the diversity and as far as open letters or the push of a movement, you know, I think, you know, we are in the biggest civil rights movement right now that the world has seen, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. How we are moving as far as Black Lives Matter um, is at such a fast rate off the back or while we're in this um, revolution of COVID. The, what COVID has done has forced us to work and think differently. And then we've had the Black Lives Movement really erupt and shift again. And of course, we've been having the Black Lives Movement for since the 1920s when, you know, William Cooper and all them mobs set up NADOC and it's NADOC week. You mm. know, we've been moving in that way in general and trying to shift. And there have been those various open letters, you know, William Cooper sent an open letter um, about the, the treatment to, mm. yeah, and the treatment to the Jews. Um, we've also, as a people, been, you know, up front and centre to shift the dial for all humankind. Um, you know, as black followers, we've helped in that sense to a world equality. So us responding to what's happening in the US is nothing new to us. So as far as, um, you know, organised boards that I've become a part of, yeah, they're a massive component to the ecosystem but I think this is a global shift that we're all experiencing which is you know really for me um, I'm humbled to be in a position as well you know really feeling that pressure to get this right now but I think surrounding myself with the right people and connecting in that sense but also I'm mindful that this needs not be our problem to solve as blackfellas as well and really i think having the world and our organizations are now sort of having their aha movement moment um within this sort of you know context so it's you know incredible to see you know um the gladiator himself russell crowe coming forward um and you know it'd be great to get more of that happening of course hollywood's been pushing as well for years for that equality and it's great to hear um you know sally riley from the abc now is on the academy um Mm, as well Yeah, yeah just broke today in that sense for us so We're having, you know, Aboriginal people now influencing um, within, you know, major world film selections in that sense also. So it's a movement. Um, Open letters, yes, sure. I'm still a very passionate person in the sense of shifting the dial in Canberra and I'm hoping those open letters turn into the real, you know, dare I say, old school journalist um, I'm possibly in, but shifting that um, public perception to change the public policy in Canberra is where we really need that as well. Well, thanks for that, Tanya, and thanks for joining us for this episode. Rana, we're running out of time. 
We could talk for hours. I could keep going for a while, yeah. (laughs) What have we got lined up for the next episode? Yeah, so next uh, Take It Black, we have Rachel Hocking and Bianca Hunt from the new footy show Yokai Footy, uh, which is on Wednesday nights on NITV. Uh, They will be in conversation with Heretia Lamumba, talking about his experience at Collingwood and also um, what structural change needs to happen within the AFL. Brilliant. I'm looking forward to that. I am a Pies fan. It's been a tough road. It's been a challenge. It's been problematic, but I'm going to stick with them for the time being. Rana, thank you for joining me for this episode. Thanks for having me. Hope to come back. Well, you're always welcome. (laughs) And uh, listeners, you can get us at all of the usual places that you find podcasts and uh, check us out. Subscribe and join the conversation on Twitter with hashtag Take It Black. And remember to always take it black. Always love, always will be.